Let's pray. Father, I asked for your help, that you would come and help us to understand your scripture that we'll be reading today, Father. Father, you promised that one of uh, the assignments that you have given your Holy Spirit is the understanding of scripture. So we invite him to come, Father. Help us to pay close attention to the words that you want us to instill in our life today. In Christ's name I ask this. Amen. Well, Jason's away for a couple weeks on vacation, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about joy today, and I don't mind that because it's something that I think everybody wants. So I might preach on something else, and you say, oh, I didn't want to hear that on maybe giving money or <laughs> hard work and service and so forth, but who doesn't want some joy in their life, Right? In fact, I would argue that everyone wants to have joy. But first of all, God has joy. Do you ever think about God delighting in things? You see that in Scripture. In fact, it was for His joy that He created us. And He wanted to have this joyful relationship in the garden. He had Adam and Eve, and what a wonderful place that must have been before sin entered the picture. They had everything they wanted. And they had the presence of God walking through the garden, never fearing about disease or death or anything. God wanted them to be full of joy. There are millions and millions of dollars spent every year in this country alone on how to be happy and how to have joy in your life. And it's year after year after year. So what conclusion could we draw from that? It's not working. Whatever they're reading doesn't seem to be working because everybody is still really unhappy. I read this instance of Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, not long ago, going to visit somebody on, I think it was a Caribbean island. And they met with this guy that owned almost the whole island. He was rich. And he said to the couple, you see my yacht out there, how big that is? And you see my mansion that we're in right now about to dine? And most everything you see I own? And I want to tell you, Billy, I'm one of the most miserable people in the world. I am not happy at all. Billy got to talk to him a little bit. But later that week, before they left the island, he met with a pastor. You could tell by looking at the pastor, he was very poor. He didn't have nice clothes. And when he was taken around to visit some of the people in his congregation, he could see they were all poor and that nobody had anything. And Billy said, well, I'm going to pray for you that God supplies you. And he said, well, I want you to understand before you walk away, don't think I'm unhappy. I can't imagine there being a more joyful person in the world than what I am. I get to do what the Lord wants me to do every day. I don't need all this stuff. When they got back home, Billy said to Ruth one evening, when they recalled both of those incidences, who do you think, Ruth, was the richer of the two? She didn't answer. She didn't need to. It was obvious. Well, as I said, Adam and Eve were in a most joyful situation. Then what's happened? Satan comes along and says, oh, yeah, you got all this, but you don't have that. Satan does. That's, this is where he starts. Every, almost every sin starts with, but you don't have that. And therefore, why don't you be unhappy instead of being joyful like God intended us to be? So, 
We don't need to do much observing to see that the world is scrambling to be happy and to find joy. And the conclusion is, for the most part, they're failing. But listen, here's the saddest thing. This is true of Christians. Many, many Christians have no or little joy. And that's what's sad. Jason is doing this I Hear Him series of sermons where he's giving us some things that Jesus taught us, in fact, commanded us to do. Things like forgiving people and to pray and to fast and so forth. But did you know to be joyful is a command? It's not just a suggestion, it's a command. And we're going to unfold that today. Over and over again, and I only have time to give you just a few quick examples. The Bible reminds us to be people of joy. If we are people who are in Christ, we are commanded to be people of joy. And that's for our own good as well as for the benefit of the Lord. In Romans fifteen thirteen, Paul writing to the church at Rome says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. James, when he writes letters to the churches, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James is saying, even the troubles you get in life, count that as joy and blessing because they make you a stronger follower of Christ. They build up your faith and they cause you to trust in the Lord more. Count even your troubles as an experience of joy. Don't look at it the way Satan wants you to look at them. Galatians 5.22, Paul says to the church in Galatia, When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. And you have opportunity, if you choose to, to walk closely with the Spirit. And you'll start producing fruit, behaviors that look like Jesus, attitudes that are like Jesus. Some of those are love and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and I skipped one, didn't I? Joy. It's something that's produced by the Holy Spirit if the Spirit is living within us and we're walking with Him. Jesus, in another example, says to His followers, and therefore to us, in John sixteen twenty four, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Now, in my name means according to my will and what I want and what I know is best for you. Start asking, he says. Ask, and you will receive. Why does he want you to receive the things you ask for in his name? So that your joy may be half full. Full. He wants your joy to be full. I think the medical, where's Tim? I think the medical profession will agree with Proverbs 17:22. Even to this day, 3,000 years later, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A lot of people in the medical field say that if you have a pessimistic attitude, a discouraged attitude, and so forth, it, you're more apt to get certain diseases or not heal as quick and so forth. But they observe people that have joy and happiness in their heart seem to recover quick or to hold off those diseases. In John, again, in 15... Chapter 15, verse 11, again Jesus says to her followers after he was teaching them, These things I've spoken to you, 
that my joy, so Jesus says, I have joy. This was my delight to come to save the world from its sins, that my joy may be in you and that your joy, here it is once again, may be full. So Jesus not only wants us to have joy in our life, he wants us to be full of joy. Now we'll get to the text for today. It comes from two different books in the Bible. The first one is a letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians. He gives them these instructions, and they're all tied together. So whenever you see one, I want you to know the answer lies in the other two. Rejoice always, and that can be interpreted, be filled with joy. By praying constantly, give thanks in everything. Now, why do we do all that? Because this is God's will for you if you're in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, Christ wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to delight and be happy. About 10 years later, I suppose, and I'm not sure where Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. One thing you would suspect if Paul's talking about this joy that Paul was probably sitting on a beach somewhere, drinking iced tea, watching the waves come in, but that's not the case. Paul, I, my best guess was, from what I read, he's in prison and ready to, ready to either, in his mind, be released or to be executed. By the way, if that's the case, they cut off his head shortly after that, and he was executed. But he writes to the church at Philippi something similar that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I'm not sure if he thought the church in Thessalonica didn't get it when he first said it to them. So he repeats it. And he said, in case you didn't hear it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. That's one reason to rejoice and to be full of joy because the Lord's near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I don't have to read any further. I'm convinced already, if you're, whether you are or not, that one of the goals as myself for a Christian ought to be to pursue having this joy in my life. That I need to set my mind to it. That I need to work towards this. As we do many of the disciplines in the Christian faith. I need to pray to God to help me with this. But I want to tell you something. I've seen it and I've seen it right in this room. It is so beautiful. What a beautiful thing when I see a Christian who's struggling with life. And yet they're filled with joy. This stands out in the church. This stands out in the community. This stands out in the United States. To see people who go through the struggles of life, but yet they're filled with joy. Now, let's dig into this a little bit. What does it mean when Paul tells Christians to be filled with joy and to rejoice always? I need to give some disclaimers here. First of all, this does not mean that will never hurt. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we'll never be sad. It doesn't mean that we'll never be disappointed, that we'll never cry, that we'll never be down. 
In fact, I'll let you folks all fill in the blank. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept or Jesus cried. There is a time for crying, and we do, and we're sad. So being filled with joy doesn't mean you don't have emotional pain and that you don't hurt and that you don't grieve. In fact, doesn't the Bible tell us we're to mourn and grieve over our our own sin? And doesn't the Bible tell us that we're to laugh with our brothers and sisters and we're to cry with them and to share their hurts? Later on in the same chapter, chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul writes this, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. There's a secret, isn't it? He can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. Read about joy as it's set up against trouble and heartache and all the difficulties of life. Read read with that in mind when you read Psalms sometime. You'll see a roller coaster ride. You'll see the psalmist down to the lowest part of his life. But then you'll see him fly right back up to this heart filled with joy. For example, in Psalm 22, the psalm right before the famous psalm, David, and I'm not sure, again, the circumstance, he's either fleeing for his life from Saul or maybe from Absalom, his son. I'm not sure which. And he he is emotionally crushed at this time. And he just is on the verge of throwing up his arms and giving up. And he says these famous words that were quoted by Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I find no rest. Here you hear a discouraging soul, don't you? And you'll see this. Now, I'm sure they weren't written back to back, but the same person that wrote that flipped to the next chapter, 23. And here's the same person, and this is the conclusion that he comes to over and over again. Ha! The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, because, God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy. What's he do? He gets his attention back on God. And then he's out of his despair, and he's comforted, and his heart is full of joy. So I am not saying we're never going to hurt, but I'm saying how then can we be people who are always filled with joy? We're starting to get the answer here, aren't we? So we misunderstand Paul's command if we think we will not or should not grieve. That's not what he's saying. And he's not saying, okay, put on your happy face and force a smile on your face. It's not saying that either. But as we come to the Lord for help and as we think about him, our troubles will get smaller as we consider the mercies of God 
as we consider how much he loves us, as we consider that he knows every single thing about me, and he understands what we face. You know why? Because Jesus faced all this stuff too. He even faced a horrible death. To be full of joy is mainly not a feeling. It's not about your feelings. It's about your obedience. Jesus and his apostles that he taught tell us, be filled with joy because it's possible for every single person to be filled with joy. It's a choice. You must choose to obey it. If we listen to instructions from the Bible on forgiveness and in somebody offends me, somebody upsets me, then I have a choice, don't I? What's my choice? Forgive them or don't forgive them. I have a choice to make. Sometimes I make the wrong choice because I'm thinking more about me than what's best for me according to God. And sometimes I'll take make the wrong choice. But the same thing comes with joy. For most people, they can get up in the morning and say, oh, it's Monday, and i got to do this, this, and this, and life's miserable, and I can't wait for it to be over. Or they could say, I'm going to enjoy every minute that the Lord gives me and see where he takes me today. And I'm going to let my heart be glad because the Lord is with me today. See, it's an attitude. doesn't come easy. You have to practice it. So when you have trouble, when you're treated unfair, when circumstances disappoint you, when people disappoint you, you have a decision to make. How will I view this? Will I obey Christ or will I let my feelings control me? By the way, I kind of hinted at this before. Did Paul say, you all need to rejoice as much as you can? Or did he say, you need to rejoice most of the time? The word that's startling to me, striking, is he put what word? Rejoice always. Wow. Well, therefore, to rejoice in the Lord always is an attitude that we have to learn by practicing it and by focusing on the right thing. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But focus on the hope that is far superior to, far superior to any circumstances we might face. Joy, which maybe it's another a synonym for contentment, that all is well. We sang the song, it is well with my soul. What did we mean when we sang that? We meant Despite the trouble we face, at least this is what I hope we meant, everything's fine with my soul because Jesus Christ paid for my sins. It's something that we practice, that we produce by walking with Christ, by letting his spirit control us. We have that choice to make. Did you know that? God offers his Holy Spirit, but you can say, get away from me, or you can say, come and help me today. I need your help. If you have that kind of humble attitude, God's Holy Spirit is always willing to help you, including to help you have joy in your life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, stop, Randy. I got it now. You beat this into us to death. We ought to be filled with joy. Get to the how part. Well, first let me say this. I need to say this. There are many people, and maybe some here today, that really struggle with recurring depression. God has help for you, but he has given and blessed people who are able to do that. 
in a much greater way than maybe you'll be able to help yourself through Scripture. God will help that person. So you need to see somebody who is a Christian counselor. Now, I don't mean a Christian. Jason says this all the time. Not a counselor who happens to be a Christian, but a Christian counselor, somebody that uses the Word of God and His instructions to help you with whatever you're struggling with. He knows of one guy, and he's referred people here to him. He's down in Sarver. His name is John Naaman. We're, we've invited him to come here in August to put on a couple-hour seminar. Let's see. We picked out a topic, anxiety. Okay, so he's going to deal with how to counsel us as a group in a seminar to deal with the anxieties of life. I, want, I would like you to come to that for a couple reasons. Number one, it may help you. Number two, though, is so you can get a read on him if you think he could be a blessing to somebody in your family or a friend or somebody you could in the church or somebody in the community you could refer him to. And if we can get two or three counseling sessions a month, he'll come up once a month and schedule some sessions, marriage counseling, all kinds of things. Okay, so just be aware, be alert to watching for August, and we'll invite John up, and you can give him a try and see if he might be a benefit to us or not. But remove that real severe case of struggling, recurring depression away. How can all of us make a commitment and a decision to be filled with joy? I get eight points that I thought of that I want to make. Of course, there's a zillion others, but here's eight I'll share with you. Number one, check your relationship with Christ. It all begins here. The first thing is, is to be filled with joy, and this is why most of the world's so miserable. It remembers Jason's sermons on the path to destruction is well-traveled, and there's only a few. First step to have real joy, real contentment, because God made you, and God made you not to be fulfilled with joy unless you have him in your life. So the first step is to do what God tells us to do, to go to his son, and only through his son, and accept him as Lord and Savior, and say, Lord, I'll follow you. I want to be a follower of yours. So that's step one, to have joy in your life, is you have to be in a saving relationship with Christ. Then number two, walk with Jesus. Think about Jesus. Ask him to help you to be like he wants you to be. Make a commitment. Say to yourself, I am going to determine to be like Christ. I'm going to be obedient to him. So you commit your life to following Christ and doing whatever it is that he instructs. This is not a bad thing. Obedience, we, we use this word, and I think Jason talked about this in his sermon series. Being obedient to Christ, the commands of Christ, they're not bad things, tough things. They're good things that make life full of joy. By obeying Christ, you get joy. The third little hint that I'll pass out. Look at your trouble through the light of Scripture and think about the big picture and say, let's weigh my trouble today, whatever it is, right beside the hope that I have of being with Christ forever and ever and ever in paradise. When you focus on God and his promises, you know, they get, and you make God bigger as you magnify God, you've heard this said before, your troubles seem to get smaller and smaller. Not that they're any less, it's just they aren't as big as what you first thought because you're focusing on God. Number four, 
Take care of any strained relationships you have as soon as possible. It is so hard to have joy in your life if you're having a strained relationship, if you're at odds with somebody. That's why we're to forgive them before the sun goes down. Okay? Forgive people quickly so that you may be filled with joy. I've already said this, but point five. Praise God. Praise Him as much as you can remember to do so throughout the day. The bigger God gets in your mind, the smaller your problems get. So I'll say that again. Magnify God. Now, you can't make God bigger, but you can make Him bigger in your mind. You can think about Him more. You can think about His glory and His promises and His His unbelievable goodness. You can think of the greatness of God. You can think of the love of Him. And if you spend your day thinking about those things, where's the room for your troubles to fit in? At least not as much. Number six. This is what a lot of Christians do. When they get discouraged or down or things aren't going right, they withdraw. They stay away from church. They stay away from brothers and sisters. And that's exactly the wrong medicine. God has given us his church, fellow brothers and sisters, to encourage us and help us through the difficult times so that we might be filled with joy. So instead of withdrawing, get busy serving the Lord and bringing glory to his name. Consume your time with that instead of thinking, I don't have that and poor me about this. Okay, yes, those things are real, but switch your focus so you're not focused on yourself, but you're focused on God and others the way that he asks us to. Seven, I've already said that, so I'll skip over that. Think about God hard every day. Number eight, say to yourself, in other words, this is a commitment, but every day and you pray for this, I am not going to live by my feelings. I'm going to live by faith in the Lord. I'm going to trust God for everything, knowing he loves me. I believe that. God loves me. More than anybody else in this world, God loves me. And God wants the best for me. And though I'm going through trouble, I look back at Scripture and say, all these people God loved, they went through trouble too. Abraham went through trouble. And Noah went through trouble. And David went through trouble. God's own son, God in the flesh, went through trouble. I'm not going to escape trouble, but I've got a God who loves me. And I'm going to live by faith, not by my feelings. So the question this morning is this. Do you know this kind of joy that we've talked about today? Do you want this kind of joy that we talked about today? It's available Jesus and this kind of joy is available to everyone who decides, wakes up in the morning and says, I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I am going to be full of joy, and I am going to let that joy crowd out my circumstances today. To always be filled with joy. Now, I want to read this passage again from the New Living Translation, more modern-day language, and at the very end is the things that we need to focus on. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now here's the secret coming up right now. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Don't fall into the trap Adam and Eve did and look at the fruit and what they didn't have. Put your mind on things that are good, that are moral, that are right. Don't find yourself in a position where you're always thinking about how bad this country is in this way and this way and this way. Get your mind fixed on what's good and what's right and what's pleasing and what's admirable. You'll find it. You don't have to look far, far for it. We're just not used to looking for those right things anymore. We've let the rest of the country talk us into being depressed about everything. There's a lot of good out there. There's a lot of faithful people right here in this room that I don't have to look very far to be filled with joy because I see you're committed to the Lord, and that makes me praise God, and that helps me to be full of joy. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's head to the communion table.